When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes in multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, option A, 201-939-4513, option B, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you choose the antisocial mental picture in terms of interacting with us here on the program. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platform everywhere end at giants.com slash podcast so brian dable spoke to the media yesterday and john and paul also recapped the game but jeff and i will provide some takeaways from the second preseason game and also go over the injury news which obviously is the biggest thing but jeff first of all 4 p.m eastern the clock is ticking every team in the national football league needs to get their rosters down to 80 players because what they did was which was kind of bizarre jeff and you remember when you were playing they had multiple cutdowns. Then, yeah. if you recall, remember they got rid of them. They said, mm-hmm. we'll keep everybody on the roster, just get down to 53 when the deadline comes. And now, all of a sudden, they brought back these intermediary cutdowns, which I don't really understand the purpose of them because I thought the purpose was the third preseason game, give yourself as much bodies as possible outside of your starters, right, to get on the field. And now, all of a sudden, they're limiting these rosters. Yeah, I think that, you know, I don't I don't get it either, but I, I will tell you if I'm a player, I kind of like it because now I'm going to get around get to stick around for sure. longer than I normally have. So I think that's a good thing. I think that one of the reasons why they like to do this too, Lance, is that I think that you want to try to keep as many as your guys as you can because of the expanded um uh, practice squad roster too um i know that those guys all got to clear waivers and everything else but the fact is is that at least um they get a little another week ahead of practicing and you learning your system and you know all kinds of stuff like that so i i don't know either but um hey listen like i said if i'm a player i like it and you know and it's not a big cut what is it from it went yeah, from 90 to 85 to 80, to 80. Exactly. yeah so so 10 players in a matter of a week and a half or whatever you be that's not a big deal and and i said this to you the other day I if, you know, if we were to sit here and really try to put this roster together, we know 95% of the roster. And I think we probably knew 90% of the roster coming into training camp. So, um, And you're looking at guys that, that really performed the other night on, on that field at MetLife uh, at the stadium offensively. You know, you had those receivers, the quarterbacks all played well. You had a lot of guys that were not playing that younger guys got in there and really made a statement. So I think that you know, that 95%, that 5% is still out there. We'll have to see who, you know, who sticks around. But, you know, the other five guys they got to cut, I think that those are, those are pretty legitimate. I mean, you kind of know who those guys are. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a difficult decision, to your point, Jeff. Yeah. I just, I guess I was looking at it more from, and especially this applies to the Giants, when you have so many guys injured and banged up, <sighs> having an extra five guys for next Could Sunday's help. game against the Jets, right, would be slightly yeah. beneficial under the circumstances. Yeah, 100%. And, and I, you know, again... I, I don't know why they do it. Why is there? I mean, why not just keep all ninety until the final cutdown? But basically, exactly. what you're saying, right? So I yep. mean, I don't know what ten. I don't know what the situation is. That why there's ten cuts in a week. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Just yeah, keep them all. Just, 
Yeah, it's a little bizarre. And if, if the idea is, well, this gives guys opportunities to then get onto other teams, the bottom line wow. is, Jeff, in about a week and a half, we're going to have hundreds of guys on the waiver wire anyway. So <laughs> you could write, you could join a team tomorrow, let's say, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're cut because they want to upgrade their scenario based on somebody else that's available. You know, it's a game of musical chairs, so many musical pieces, essentially, that mm-hmm. are trying to stuff into one another over the course of the next few weeks. This is going to sound really bad, but I, I will tell you that, you know, the 10 guys that are getting cut, they probably didn't belong there anyways. I mean, that that's just the fact that it's the reality of the National Football League. I'm just telling you, it is very difficult to make a 53-man roster in the National Football League day in and day out, year in and year out. Uh, so, you know, those guys are going to get another chance to go somewhere else, or maybe they don't. Um, but it's it's not a, a big deal. But as far as the, the Giants go and having the injuries, I would love to have all 90 of those guys around, like you said. Well, speaking of injuries, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to the topic at hand. The big news is the linebacker position for the Giants. The positive aspect is that Kayvon Thibodeau sprained MCL, estimated timeline outside of the Giants organization by multiple media reports is three to four weeks. Now, the Giants, they're not giving a definitive timeline, Jeff. Brian no. Dable, he classified it basically as day-to-day. We'll see how the rehab process goes. It's important to, first of all, separate those two because I know there's a lot of media reports out there three to four weeks, but that doesn't mean it's going to follow that game plan. And then if you do the math, Jeff, well, we're less than three weeks away from okay. the first regular season game mm-hmm. against Tennessee on September 11th. If everything goes according to plan, it's possible that he gets back out on the field. But I think that Giants fans need to also be practical that it is possible he does miss a game or two. And this is just my personal opinion. I'm not saying that I have any additional intel. But considering we're at the border of the timeline up against the regular season, the Giants may also say, hey, we're not going to rush him back because we don't want him to all of a sudden re-aggravate it and then miss additional time. Yeah, and there's also the other way around. Well, some guys heal quicker than others. 100%. You know? So, yeah. you know, three weeks could be a long, long time for him. And, you know, he might be back in a week and a half, two weeks. I don't know. But the, the bottom line is at least they have a little bit of time before the regular season starts. And um, he will be shelved until then, no matter what. Um, and I feel like, you know, he's a good enough player where he can come back. Um, I think that he understands the system to this point where he's at. Um, I think that, you know, this opens up, especially with what's happened to Darian Beavers, this opens up a whole new can of worms as far as that inside linebacker position yep. goes, as far as the depth. Um, you know, there was a couple guys, I'm not going to name their names, but it, in my opinion, who I thought was on the bubble, that the guys that were on the roster last year. So with him going on to IR, that now opens up another spot that you know that Darian Beavers was going to make the team. So that gives an opportunity for someone else to hopefully, in their mind, make the team. Well, let's jump into that because I think it is interesting, Jeff, to maybe not necessarily talk about who could now make the team, but who could actually step up from the depth chart. Because remember, Wink Martindale made it clear, and we were talking about this on previous installments of the show, that the interior linebacking jobs in general were wide open, Mm -hmm. if you asked Wink. So Blake Martinez included, but you figure somebody was going to compliment Blake, and I thought Beaver's made his presence felt in the first two preseason games. Mm -hmm. Also, obviously, during practices, he's got the versatility. We know he played multiple spots in his different places in college, whether it be Cincinnati or UConn, and his length, his ability to run sideline to sideline made him appealing. The guy that I'm eyeing now, and I'm curious where you stand, Micah McFadden. Mm -hmm. I think the door has swung literally wide open for him, Jeff, because A, they used him as a blitzer at Indiana. That's why I think he's a great fit for Wink Martindale's system. And he, like Beavers, was also showing some flashes thus far in the preseason games. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the, the game book from last week's game, he was up there in tackles. Um, yeah, he led the team. He's a guy that, you know, was going to be a, a core special teamer, in my opinion, a guy that's going to try to compete for maybe that other position. Um, you know, you look at... Carter Coughlin is another one there. Um, You've got Tay Crowder, who I think has played extremely well this preseason. I I think he has solidified the fact that at least he would be the starter next to Blake Martinez, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. However, you know, you look at Mike McFadden that we talked about. He's a guy that's up and coming. Remember, he is young, and that is a tough position to play as a young linebacker because you're you're asked to do a lot of stuff. You're and especially in Wink's Martindale system, you're asked to splits, you're asked to cover, you're asked to tackle, all that good stuff. 
Um, Cam Brown is another guy who is, you know, a core special teams guy. Has been a, a career, hasn't had a long career, but back up at that position. Um, and then, you know, of course, like I said, Carter Coughlin. So those are the guys you kind of look at in those positions. How many are you going to carry? I think they got to carry at least at least four, right? I mean, because of special teams and to back up the two middle linebacker guys, if, if indeed they play the 3-4. Well, especially if you're looking at about nine to ten linebackers in total, and if memory serves me correct, I think when I looked this up last week, it was ten linebackers that made the initial 53 last season. Now, granted, that was a different coaching staff, different defense, so we can't take for granted that that's going to be duplicated. But if you operate, Jeff, mm -hmm. on let's say they do keep okay. ten, then yeah, I think in terms of just the interior breakdown, you figure you got to keep minimum four because you got your two starters and then you want to have two backups. And then you figure five to six guys who can play on the edge and can help get after the quarterback. So I like that breakdown. I would agree with your thinking mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so some of the names I look at just depends on their health-wise. Ellison Smith is a guy that, you know, he's not a middle linebacker. He plays the outside edge position, so he's a guy that you got to look for. Uh, Jihad Ward is another one that has not participated in practice or games lately because he's been banged up. I don't know what the situation with his, him is. That, you know, he's a guy that can, you know, he can play – he can play multiple positions if you need him. But, um, of course, Aziz, he's going to be there, and Kayvon. And you've also got, when you look at Blake, and then Quincy Roche and Zimenez. Those two guys, I don't know if both those guys are going to make it. I think that, in my opinion now, this is, I don't know anything about nobody's told me nothing. I'm just telling you what I'm looking at. That's a, those two guys have been battling um, for that roster spot when, when you talk about outside edge rushers because they're going to back up Kayvon. They're going to back up Elise. Those are your two starters, and you got to have some other guys outside. So it's very interesting. And, again, numbers always equate to injuries and depth, right? No matter where yep. it is, you, you, you rob Peter to pay Paul um, depending on what you're going to go through. And that, that certainly happens a lot of times on the cornerback position, the wide receiver position, the tight end position, um, offensively. And I think that, you know, defensively, how many linemen are they going to keep? They're going to keep eight linemen. They're going to keep seven linemen. I don't know. So, And this team has beat up Lance, as you know. So with the offensive line, do they end up keeping more offensive line because of their depth problem? This is a, this is a, this is a conundrum right now as far as the, the roster sure. breakdown. And I think that you know, ultimately you like to have 25, 25, and 3. That is your perfect roster makeup, right? Because you got offense, defense, and special team guys. But I don't know if it's going to work out that way this year. Who knows? It'll be close, though. I mean, it's not going to be really tilted where you're going to get 30 and 20 and 3. You know, it's not going to be something like that. Yeah, I don't see them having a lopsided breakdown, no. to your point. I would think that they'd want to keep it as balanced as possible, especially since the injuries are pretty much spread across the board. It's not necessarily one position, as you just read through. There's a number of positions yeah. that have been hit by the injury bug. Zimenez and Roche, who you brought up, I don't know if the injury to Beavers helps their cause tremendously because, as you were mentioning, they're mm -hmm. more outside guys than inside guys if we're trying to crunch the numbers based on position. Another guy, though, I think is worth throwing out there simply because of the play he made at the end of the oh, game. Oh, my God. Fox, right? The <laughs> yeah. undrafted rookie out of UNC. And it's interesting, Jeff. When I spoke to Mac Brown this offseason, and that interview is up on the Giants Huddle podcast, he said in passing, he was the very first coach I spoke to when we were breaking down the entire draft class, and they had not announced the Giants yet, everyone who was officially an undrafted rookie that had signed with the team. So the focus of my conversation with him was clearly the two offensive linemen. But he made it a point, and I'll always remember this. Hmm. He brought up Tamon Fox, and he said, Lance, don't be surprised if he makes the 53-man rosters. Very this good. kid has the it factor. There's something about – he made a point. I'm paraphrasing his words, sure. Jeff, but it always stuck in my mind, and I was waiting to see maybe something happens in camp or a practice or a game, and then boom, hmm. right at the end of the last preseason yeah. game, welcome to Mon Fox to <laughs> Giants football. Well, number one, his job was to protect the sideline because the yep. – the uh, they had no timeouts left in that game. So defensively, that's what you're told to do. Protect the sideline. Make sure the guy doesn't catch the ball and go out of bounds. Well, the guy caught the ball. He was trying to go out of bounds, but Fox <laughs> did his job. And not yep. only did he do his job, he actually did a little bit better than what he, what he was supposed to do. He caused a fumble. Game over. Uh, Giants recover. And listen, when Mac Brown, who's been around football Longer than you and I have been alive, I you got to kind of listen to a guy like that, right? So, um, and sometimes you have those players that fall in in 
in the cracks. There's something that happened to them in their testing. They might have been hurt and they didn't do well at the combine, whatever it is, or maybe never got invited to the combine. Um, then there seems to be on every team in the National Football League when it comes down to cut down day. There's a lot of surprises that people just scratch their head about, like, wow, that. Could... But this guy, you know, I wouldn't be scratching my head about them keeping Fox because of some of the things that he's done and some of the things that, like Mac Brown had mentioned. So well, it'll also... be interesting. Sure. Real quickly, before we open up the lines, and we'll certainly get into some other aspects from the second preseason game against the Bengals, but as you were talking about, Jeff, what to me stood out about that Fox play, it's not so much the hard hit, but it's if Wink is telling them, hey, your job is to protect the sideline, and then you go out, you put a young guy in that position, Jeff, and he executes exactly Mm -hmm. what the play was designed to do. Mm -hmm. Those things from a mental standpoint, if I'm evaluating my roster and I'm looking to maybe have a guy come out on the back end, I mean, that to me is impressive because – I don't know how much they studied and drew up that play in those scenarios. I mean, maybe that was something that was in their regular playbook, but it also could have been, Jeff, one of those things where, and we won't know until Wink speaks to the media leading into this final preseason game, but it could have been, one of those plays could have been like a, hey, draw it up on the sideline type of thing. Hey, we want you to make yeah. sure you defend the sideline, and then we're looking whether or not guys on the fly can pick up things and actually execute that. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, you try to go over every situation you can, whether in, um, in the classroom or on the field. And, you know, that's situational football. And you, you try to do the best you can at, at coaching these guys. And But remember, there's only so many time, too much time and, and days to do this stuff. So who knows? But the fact is, is that if that was the situation and he, and he executed it perfectly, that would give you a, you know, a good idea of how much uh, this guy could help you. And remember, he's, he's an outside linebacker, so he's kind of an edge rusher guy. So I think that when you look at Quincy Roche and you look at uh, O'Shane Zimenez, the, you know, those two guys are, are guys that are not part of this, that were not part of this staff, if you will. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're guys that are hold, held over. And uh, Fox is a guy that was brought in by Joe Shane and that coaching staff. So, and sometimes, you know, like I said before, you know, new eyes, new guys. And so there is yeah. a chance that maybe he could make it just because of that factor. No, I think that's a great point. The fact that he's not connected to the old regime or the old front office. Right. He was brought in through the lens of Dable and Joe Shane, and that could very well give him a leg up, especially if you're talking about the final linebacker spot, let's say. And the other thing is, as you were highlighting, and it always comes up in this dialogue, is special teams. Maybe Fox's athleticism and his intellect, maybe they feel that's a good fit for what mm-hmm. they're going to run for Thomas McGahey on special teams as opposed to maybe one of these other guys who is more of just a conventional pass rusher. Well, you got to think that let's just, just hypothetically say that Fox makes the team. Okay, you know he's not a starter, so he's a legitimate backup behind those guys. So where will his role be? His role as a linebacker will be on all the big four special teams. That's where he will be. Um, or he could be one of those guys that we see it all the time, and <laughs> I call them the all-inactive teams, the guys that, you know, they don't get a jersey on Sunday. They just practice all week, and then, they, of course, you know, you can't, you can't have everybody on the sideline on Sunday. So some guys have to sit down, and, again, that's a numbers game too. And sometimes, depending on how serious these injuries are or not serious these injuries are, you got to remember how guys can be put on injured reserve, right? At, but they start with the 53-man, and then they're put on injured reserve. They ha- then they can come back, remember? So yeah. um, there's kind of a lot of, you know, a lot of footwork to go through this and try to get guys that, you know, maybe, maybe you could cut him and then going to bring him back. He's one of those things, and you hope that he, you know, he's, he's around. So remember this. There, there's, and I know that a lot of people are like, oh, how could you cut that guy? And you got to worry about him getting picked up by another team. Well, first of all, if the Giants are cutting him, um, you, know, you don't know that may, some other team may have you know, huge injury problems at outside linebackers somewhere, and he might be gone. But you know, hopefully, if you cut these guys, you've you got a good idea that you're most likely going to be able to sign them back um, and then put them on your practice squad. That's what you want to do. Because remember last the last couple of years how those guys can slide up and down the roster, right? Sure. I mean, look at Bachman, okay? Look at David Steele. These are guys that kind of got moved up and down the roster, in and out of practice squad, onto the active roster, back and forth. It happens. It happens. So, And again, back on the 90, the 85 to the 80 guys, I mean, most of those, you got 53 guys, okay? 63, 73, so you got roughly 27 other guys that are going to get cut 
after that 80-man roster. Well, you can keep 14 guys in the practice squad. You're not going to keep all of those guys because you've you got to bring 16, in other people. actually, Jeff, by the what way, is in the practice squad. 16 guys you can 16. keep 16, okay, so squad. there you go. Yeah. So, so really um, – you got 11 guys. If you brought over, if you cut just 11 and brought all of those 16 guys back, that's not going to happen. But I would guess that the Giants or any team for that matter would like to love to be able to bring at least 50 to 60 percent of the guys that they cut back on their practice squad because they know your system, sure. right? And and it's easily with with injuries to be able to move somebody from that practice squad right onto the active roster without losing any momentum as far as them giving them a new playbook and trying to have them learn something when they just got there. Yeah, especially if you're going to call up a player relatively early in the season. More of a reason to have guys that were with you throughout camp. And this actually gives us another good opportunity just to briefly go over some of the rules and regulations that you were delving into, Jeff, with respect to IR Mm -hmm. and PUP. Because interestingly, the Washington Commanders, and this is news that impacts the Giants because it's in the NFC East, Chase Young, their top pass rusher who tore his ACL in Week 10, he was formally put on the reserve pup list for the regular season today because you could also start putting players on the pup list. So that means he's going to miss minimum first four games of the regular season. They changed the rule this year. It used to be you'd have to miss minimum the first six games of the regular season when you were on pup. This year it goes to four. So Mm -hmm. guys can return quicker. And the reason I'm bringing that up is Remember, there's three players on PUP for the Giants, Jeff. If they don't think they're ready, but they also think they'll be maybe ready by week three or week four, it actually may make sense to start them off on regular season PUP, like a Sterling Shepard and Nick Gates or a Matt Parrott, because you're not going to miss more than about just a quarter of the season. So Mm -hmm. it's not bad, the mathematics. And then if you go on IR, which is what you were bringing up, that means you also miss four games minimum before you can return. And you could go on IR at any time and be eligible to return, but you have to make the initial 53-man roster first. That's right, that's and that's what I was alluding yes. to. You have to make the 53-man, then they can put you on IR, you, then you go off. The, you go on the shelf for four weeks, exactly. and then they can sign somebody else. Um, and a lot of times, you see after the first week of the regular season, you see a lot of veterans being signed back to the roster. That's because if you're a vested veteran and you're on the active roster for the first week of the, of the season, you're, you're guaranteed your contract. And so what happens is, and you're, and you're, you're guaranteed it, but you're, you're, you can only do that once in your career. I don't know if people know that. So, you know, if I got cut, for instance, like, you know, so let's just say that I, I made the team and I'm a vested veteran, I'm guaranteed my salary if I haven't taken it, haven't done this yet. And so third week in the season, they cut me. Well, and I'm making a million dollars. Well, they owe me a million dollars, okay, no matter what, because I'm a vested veteran. You cut me. I made the 53-man roster. And now let's just say that Cleveland needed a new punter, and they signed me on week four. And then they pick up my contract, what I had with the Giants. Well, they're going to pay me, they're gonna pay me one, which would be one-thirteenth of my salary, and I'm also getting a completely guaranteed salary from the Giants. The we nice call, double dip. We call it the old double dip. <laughs> and you uh, and if you are <laughs> if you are fortunate enough to get cut and double dip, uh, that is that is remarkable. Now remember, you're only allowed to do that once in your career. Um, you hope that it never happens, anyways, because you'd rather just you know the chances of that happening are slim to none. But I think that it's a and I've had guys have done have have done know the guys have done it. Um, they were able to double dip. A lot of kickers and punters do that. You know, guys that they get cut after the fifth or sixth week of the season, and then some other team has an injury at that position, and they end up signing that guy, and he double dips. So hey, you get two salaries, one from each yeah. team. Not yep. a bad setup under yeah. the circumstances. Now the other one isn't guaranteed. Now, so when you went to, like for that scenario that I just ran by you, if I was in Cleveland and I still stunk, and after three weeks there they didn't like me either, then I'm I'm still getting my guaranteed money from the Giants. I made whatever three weeks I was there with the Cleveland Browns, and then after that, uh, I'm done. Unless yeah, another Cleveland's team not on the hook for the rest of the season. That's right. Is what yeah. you're saying. Now, yeah. another team could pick me up again, and I could start over. Sure. <laughs> I could triple dip there. So Triple dip, yes. <laughs> now, you could double dip when it comes to NFL salary, but 
ladies and gentlemen, when you're at a party and you're eating chips and salsa, don't whatever double dip. Okay, yeah. there we go. Just wanted to make sure okay. that we have all the rules and the regulations <laughs> laid out there so we can move forward accordingly. All right, 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Let's open up the lines. We begin today's festivities with Jack in Georgia. Jack, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hi, Jack. Hi, Lance and Jeff. This is my first time calling. I go back to 1970. Okay. Very nice. I was yelling at the television Sunday night, Jeff. I'm glad you are all because... I think of Joe Namath in Sunday one when he was in a preseason game and Tampa throws a pick, goes to tackle Mike Lucci and blows out his knee and ruined the Jets season. Mm. And I'm watching, I'm watching Graham Gano go to make a tackle and I'm yelling at the TV, let him go. We can afford to get you hurt. <laughs> and, and that was that was before the concussion that we found out about. Mm-hmm. Then I'm then I'm watching Jamie Gill and booming the ball through the ends when they got me thinking. And this is why I was compelled to call Jeff. Okay. With the way the Giants are always hurt, and and now obviously they're not covering kicks well, now I hope they don't get better. Why don't they just boom the ball into the end zone and that position start at the 25? A, they save their players. B, they don't give any returns back. Mm-hmm. And it's, and to me, it's a no-brainer that it would just make sense. Just don't let them run the ball back. Well, it's a good good point. And uh, I think that it's well taken. And, and by the way, the coaching staff thinks the same way you do. Um, however, okay. there are certain times when there's wind involved in it, so they can't do that. And the other thing is that there's actually a, a kick that they do. They try to they try to kick it in the corner over there and keep it inbound, so they have to return it because they feel yeah. like there's matchup advit, advit advantages to the other team. Like for instance, that right side is not a very good you know, kick return team, we can we can basically exploit that, go down there and maybe tackle them inside the 20-yard line. And the other thing is that maybe we get a turnover. So, but right. I'm with you. I would rather, honestly, I, I don't even know where the kickoff's going. I think eventually it's going to be eliminated one day because of all the things that we just talked about and guys are right. just kicking them out of the end zone anyways. The Giants, mm-hmm. are they've been pretty darn good as far as covering kicks uh, the last few years. And by the way, in the preseason with kickoffs, returns, and covering kicks and things like that, very, very difficult to have, you know, the same guys out there covering kicks for you as it is in the regular season because there's no, there's really no, these guys haven't played together with, uh, that long. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, they just, it's, it's, hey, you get in there and run there and you get in there. There's not a lot of symmetry there. Once the season starts, there's guys that religiously play the same positions on the kickoff team, the kickoff return, punt and punt return team, so they get a little bit of, you know, some, a lot of work together with it. Much more continuity. Okay. Continuity. I was looking for that word. Yep. I don't know where no, it was. Symmetry work, too. I was with you. All right. I just wanted to throw out another term there. <laughs> there we go. See, we're symmetric in terms of this program. Yes, no go question, ahead, Jack. Lance. You got something else? Yeah, just real quick, not related necessarily to the Giants, but to you guys. Jeff, sure. I love your stories. I wish they did like a feature, maybe 20 minutes a week where you just get <laughs> stories. They're awesome. Oh, uh, thank you. And, and Lance, you are so funny. Every time you make your little jokes, like even before, oh, you're great. And then, and then the way you and, you and Paul go back and forth, I'm like, oh, I, 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 I love it. <laughs> Well, I appreciate uh, it. I'm glad yeah. you get enjoyment out of the program, Jack. And don't be a stranger. Thanks so much for uh, giving us a ring. Yeah, give Look us a call again, to, uh, Jack. Speaking to you down the road, but I'm glad that you're finding the content enjoyable. We certainly like to uh, bust some chops here on this program. I, at least I won't certainly shy away from that. No, you never do. No, no. indeed. Yeah. And my stories, I got thousands of them, so I will continue to tell them. They're just well. Uh, listen, we could, you know what? We could have a feature. We could get music. We could have imaging, storybook <laughs> time with Jeff Fiegel's. You yeah. know, we'll, yeah. We'll we'll have some some type of production theme that maybe we could put together over the next few weeks. Like the Stuart Smalley section. Yeah. See, section. Pearson's already yeah. putting together. I'm the, sure he uh, is. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean. If I can, uh, you know, 22 years of story that I got tons of them. So, I mean, and, and by the way, the reason Your that stories have stories that my stories have stories. And and <laughs> yeah. when you play in three decades of football, 
football changed, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s. The, a lot of things changed when sure. I first came into the league and when I left. And it's, you know, for the good, maybe. But I would tell you that, you know, as far as having a lot of fun and doing things uh, a little crazy back in the day, that was that was it was a lot of fun back then. <laughs> a lot of Let's, fun. Indeed. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. We got RJ in Georgia joining us. Another What's happening, RJ? Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Good. Doing very well. How about yourself? What do you got for us? Good. Hey, listen, um, I'm just excited about the upcoming season. I'm also excited with um, Coach Dave. Uh, there, was a, there was an instance when I, I'm sure you guys remember, was a fourth down and one, and we went for it and didn't get it, and he lit into someone on the sidelines. <laughs> and that's something that you just don't see often, especially during uh, preseason. And it just tells me that he's holding his players accountable. And uh, as, a, as a big fan for a number of years, uh, I just love seeing that because that could set the tone for the regular season. Let me ask you a question. Are, okay, are you, go ahead, Jeff. Are, yeah, are, you, ahead. are you referring to the audio clip that I made? I might have heard that. I think I heard it on Twitter. It might have been on Barstool or something like that. Are you talking about that uh, audio clip that you heard, or did you actually visually see him laying into somebody on the sideline? No, well, I actually, he was yelling at somebody, but they didn't show, you know, who he was yelling at. But it was yeah. somebody that was coming off the field. Okay, and, good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming it was the offensive line, but I could be wrong. Well, <laughs> you know, RJ, see, what I was going to say is, if you and I are talking about the same thing, and you're, I think you're referring to actually the very first play, the very first drive of the game, when Antonio Williams was stuffed on a fourth and one from the Cincinnati 48. I believe... Not to take away from your point, but I think Dable was screaming at the officials because he was annoyed about where they spotted the ball. That is That's correct. what, Jeff, if you recall, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. if you picked up on that, but that was my interpretation. He wasn't yelling at a Giants player. He was annoyed okay. that they didn't put the spot yeah. in a proper place because it looked to the naked eye, it looked like Antonio Williams got enough of a push yeah. to get the first down. And that was the audio that uh, I heard. And there was, there, was some, yeah. there was some language in there that um, we won't repeat but the fact is that it wasn't you, PG you, you got the message that he was <laughs> yeah. yelling at somebody and he was hot and i think lance i think you're correct and but by the way i will tell you this i had heard this too um and this kind of brings up the point uh i had heard that he's a guy that he's a he's obviously we know him we've, we've got to meet him we've heard him speak he seems to be yeah. very just a great guy but he will he will lay into you if he has to um and you know what no soft skin in the National Football League. I'm sorry, you you just you can't have it, right? You gotta no. You gotta listen and and you gotta take it because you know he's only doing it for your good. He obviously knew you something did something wrong. You're gonna get your butt ripped for it, and that just happens. And some guys just crawl under a rock and never come out. But you gotta be tough, and um, he he's gonna give it to you. And that is a good thing for some guys. Some guys just can't handle it, but he doesn't care. He'll find out who which guys can and can't. Yes, and you know, I just have I just have a good feel for that that whole coaching staff, and I hope my feeling is right you know, as the season approaches us. And I have one more thing, uh, if you don't mind me saying, um, with with the, with the guys getting hurt left and right, uh, do you think the Giants would just keep six wide receivers, or do you think they'll pick one more and have it seven? Hopefully, Sterling Shepard would be part of that seven. Well, I well, think if yeah. I, I I'm sorry, Lance. No, no, I, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I. Uh, I have a feeling, this is my opinion, guys, and my opinion only, nothing, you know, I didn't hear this from anyone or, or whatever, but I think that Sterling Shepard is going to be ready to play. Um, just watching him run around and doing things, and I could be totally wrong, but I think that if he gets put on PUP, you know, like Lance and I were just talking about this earlier, you know, you got a minimum of four games, right, Lance? So, I mean, I think yep. that that's still, a, that's like, that's, that's almost, that's seven weeks from today. So right, I, I still right. I think that that's a long time to still re, be, re, be rehabbing what happened. I think he's going to be ready. So in that case, in my opinion, if if Sterling Shepard is part of the 53-man roster and an active player, I I think I think six is going to be the number. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, so yeah, I would agree with Jeff because I think first of all, if Shepard does make the active roster, that means they're confident he's ready to go. I that's don't think right. you put him, Jeff on the active 53-man roster unless you really feel good about him. But here's the one thing I will I say, agree. Jeff, and RJ, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for giving us a ring. 
in fairness, though, Jeff, remember, he did suffer that torn Achilles very late last season. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if he got hurt in week four and he's had an overwhelming amount of rehab that went and coincided through the regular season. I mean, he got hurt at the very tail end, just like Matt Paird. So if he needed a little bit more time, I wouldn't be stunned even if they're positive and they feel good that he's inching closer. It's just based on the timeline given – I mean, remember, those torn Achilles, that varies from player to player. Cam Akers of the Rams, the running back, remember, he got hurt before the season last year, and he somehow made it back for the playoffs, which was unheard of. Other guys, you know, it could take them a year and a yeah. half till yeah. they get back on the football field. Yeah, and I'm sure that Sterling wants to be back on that field because, you know, when you look at him and Blake Martinez, how they redid their contracts, they've got a lot of incentives that the team gave those guys playing incentives yep. per game stuff. So if I'm Sterling Shepard, I'm trying to push myself out there because i got to make up some of that money that I lost because both those guys had some pretty good contracts. And so I think that the Giants have given them an opportunity to make back some of that money by performance. So I want to get back on the field. But again, they're all, and this goes to what we were talking about earlier about Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, there's certain guys, and I'm not saying he's one or he's not. I'm just saying that there's a lot of guys that are, are they're faster healers than others. You know, for me, for instance, I mean, I, I'm a fast healer. I would get hurt on stuff. And, I mean, I never got seriously hurt because I never missed a game. But there was times when, you know, listen, I, I, I would bounce back pretty quick on a hamstring or something like that. So, and some guys are just take longer than others. I don't know what it is with Sterling. If he's a fast healer, I hope that he, because they could really use him back on the active roster. Yeah. And that's why it goes back to, I think, if Shepard makes the roster, they feel good about him. In, like, in all likelihood, they would keep six. However... Here's the caveat, Jeff. Mm-hmm. If they feel like a wide receiver could be maybe a pseudo-tight end, I could see them maybe trying to go for a seventh guy. For example, David Sills, who has some size, and we were talking about this on the Giants Radio Network postgame show following Sunday's game. Colin Johnson has size. Kenny Galladay has size. If they're not enamored with the tight ends, and remember, Ricky Seals-Jones has been banged up. He's missed the bulk of camp. Do they maybe say... We'll keep an extra wide receiver and utilize him in that tight end role. At least I'm not saying they're going to utilize him as a blocker, but maybe they utilize him in the same routes that a tight end would run. I could see maybe that getting them to perhaps seven. Hmm. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah, it's a thought. I think it's a thought. I, I think that you know this team's got to at least at minimum they got to have a couple couple tight ends. I think they're going to keep three. I know that everything that I've seen watching practice, watching games, that that tight end um, is used as a fullback. There I don't. There will not be a fullback, in my opinion, kept on the roster. There's just going to be, you know, you're going to have one of those guys, uh, one of those tight Currently, ends. Currently, there isn't it. one on the roster. Yeah. So I don't even well, I mean, they've they, got, they yeah. got some guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they're not, yeah, exactly. So I think that, you know, you look at guys like Chris Mayrick, those, those guys, Myrick, those are the guys that are playing – um, Austin Allen's a guy that I saw him playing the fullback position. Yep. Bellinger's been in there. All those guys. So um, again, and uh, this is where okay, if they keep two, then they're probably keeping seven on the wide receivers, right? I mean, if they keep three, that's probably going to be six. I, you know, this is where the numbers game comes in. And again, I think it all has to do with injuries and 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 depth. Hundred percent. Let's head back to the phone line. Scott is in New Mexico, and he joins us here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Scott? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. Are you I doing? think you're funny, too. There What's we that? go. Listen, nothing appeases the two of us more so than patting each other on the back. So <laughs> yeah. just keep it coming, Scott. Yes. We like that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of concerns. I'm not so much concerned with the preseason and the number of injuries because that happens. You know, Scott, real quickly, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. I can't believe that you buried the lead. What's the latest on your basement? Jeff is on the yeah. show today. You know, I mean, Normally we get updates from you. What's what are we doing on? here? I, uh, yeah. You'll get it. There'll be an update next week. For okay. Sure. <laughs> next All right. Week. That's fine. Oh, he now teases his updates, Jeff. You believe this? Unbelievable. Yeah, I can't wait till next yeah. week now. Now we got to wait till next week. have to wait till All next right. week. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but l- let me get to my, uh, as I said, I'm not overly concerned with the number of injuries. I think Wheat Martindale does a great job in filling in personnel. And I like the way uh, the offensive line filled in personnel as well. So I'm not that terribly concerned. I wish there weren't any injuries, but it happens. and It'll happen to all teams. The thing that is concerning to me, and maybe you can address these, two players in mind that I have that I'm uh, nervous about, one of them is playing now, and that's Aaron Robinson. I watched the game uh, that he played last week, and he's still doing the cardinal sin that all – 
cornerbacks are not supposed to do, which is not turn your head around to look for the ball. And you can't have a cornerback doing that. And I'm wondering, I know this is his second year, even though he obviously is uh, playing like a rookie. By the same token, I don't know what's going on in training camp, but he should be making that error now. And I was wondering if there's a reason why he hasn't caught on yet, because I'm concerned that he's since the second coming of DeAndre Baker. And I don't want that to happen because of the way Wink Martindale actually runs his defenses. So did you notice anything when watching the game or when you watch practice that he's not doing the very thing that he's supposed to do? I was just curious from either of your perspectives. Um, I, I have not. The only thing I know is that, you know, sometimes guys just it's, they have to be disciplined in a sense, and it's just something they have to learn because when that ball's in the air, it's difficult when you're running down the field not to turn back and look for it, right? I mean, it's just some of those right. – it's a fundamental thing that you have to prepare yourself and continually do until it's finally – it's it's like, you know, second nature. So I think that he's done that for so long, Scott, that I think eventually it'll get to him, but there may be some times where he does do it and he gets burnt. And, you know, you saw the first preseason game when they picked on him a little bit there at the at – the, in that game and I think that you know he'll get through it but I think that your concern is real I think that it'll be it'll get better I really do remember he's still a pretty young player you know right yeah because he didn't play all of last season so he's still essentially going through his rookie year I find it hard to believe Scott that they're not emphasizing the importance of turning around but you know the other part of playing cornerback is to finish the play by driving your hand through so that maybe you can then deflect the ball or knock it down but once again that process is done simultaneously where normally they want you to take a glance back locate the ball and then drive your hand through so that you can finish the play maybe right. it's a timing thing for him that he's still adjusting to and still getting used to because it's a double-edged sword you don't look back and you're handsy the official's not going to give you any leeway. They're going to throw the flag. It's real simple. Correct. But also, if you're a little too over-aggressive with your hands, even if you did look back, they could still get you for interference. So, you know, for him, I think to Jeff's point, it's that walking the fine line adjustment to life in the NFL, given the fact that he still technically has not finished his rookie year yet. Okay. Only because he's going up against Burks, I guess, in uh first Titans game, so and he'll be going up against Michael Gallup and people like that, and they're not going to give him a second chance to make a mistake. Not at all. And that's why yeah. I was concerned with, with what he's doing now. And it's a I valid concern. Yeah. No, and Scott, I don't think Jeff and I, we're not trying to, you know, Defend paint him. it as if it's rainbows <laughs> and lollipops here. I mean, it's a reasonable concern. There's no doubt about that. As right. we highlighted all throughout the offseason, it's a reasonable concern regardless of that, just because of his inexperience. And the fact right. that opposite of Dory Jackson, you have a lot of youth. So, yeah, there's right. no doubt about it. The other player that I'm concerned about uh, as an offensive player, Kadarius Tony. has he played any snaps yet or is he uh, injured? Or what's the story with him, if you know, uh, in regards to why he hasn't developed any chemistry with uh, you know, Daniel Jones because he's a central cog in the wheel, first draft choice. And yet I don't see him on the field. So I was just curious if there's anything medically wrong or he's just taking time off or what the situation is with him. Well, he's still rehabbing and coming back from, you know, some bumps and bruises that he was dealing with in the offseason. Remember, he had surgery, so that's right. the main reason, Scott. To answer your question, he has not played in a preseason game, so you did not miss him. He did practice in the early stages of training camp, and then they sort of held him back a little bit. To me, I believe it's really just maintenance. It's not something that's alarming or something that they think is going to sideline him long term. It's just, you know, very similar okay. to the approach with Saquon Barkley, Scott, in the last preseason game. He could have played, but as Brian Dable mentioned, he's been getting good work in practice, so they want to hold him back. Now, Tony hasn't been practicing as much as Barkley, in fairness, but I don't think it's something that's a red flag that should keep him from going at the beginning of the regular season. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay. Uh, my, my last point, um, if it comes down to the waiver wire and we've gotten rid of and we're trying to get to the 53, but we don't have the... the people we want 
Can you get extra, uh, actually better players off the waiver wire than you started with, and does it cost you X number of dollars to do that? And I was just curious, and I can take this answer off the phone, but I'm just curious on the waiver wire, are there sort of, uh, I guess, gems or, or little pieces of gold you might find that you don't have on your squad that you can find uh, on a waiver wire that mm-hmm. will be a little bit easier to form your team and make it more cohesive? And I'll take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Thanks All right, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, it's, it's a good question. Um, it also it helps you in the Giants case here um remember the the pecking order of waivers wires right so you know for a team like the la rams um trying to find that guy that scott's trying to allude to that maybe a little you know piece of gold or whatever where you're not going to you're not going to have the best chance to get one of those guys if you're the la rams right because you're by the time they fall all the way to you somebody's going to pick up that little piece of gold so in the giants situation i think you have a really good chance of trying to find somebody that might be better on another roster that's being cut than they have somebody here. And I, I tell you that when you when you hear of all these workouts that the Giants are doing, that's 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 kind of what's going on. Those guys aren't in camp. But I will tell you that you have a pro personnel department and you have the college guys, right? So they're evaluating the pro personnel guys are evaluating. They're going and looking at, at these preseason games. Um, they're not going to their own preseason games. They're traveling around watching these other guys because maybe they're trying to find. And in this case, when you look at the Giants roster, where is the depth problem you're having? And so they're going to, let's say, a Pittsburgh game or it's, you know, regionally where they're closer to get to. Um, but that's why you have these scouts all over the all over the country to be able to go to these games and scout the other opponents. And so being able to try to find and then you have your master board and they have uh, – rank these guys, and then as soon as those cutdowns come down, they've got everything that you need. So they understand, like, okay, this guy came from Baltimore. We have him as our third cornerback on the market if he gets released. And, and lo and behold, he got, let's try to claim him. And that's what happens. Well, happen. you look at the – go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying – yeah. so to, to Scott's question – I think the answer is yes. I think there are other players out there that you can find on other rosters that aren't available right now, but because you've gone through your whole preseason and you've evaluated your current roster, you're also evaluating guys on other rosters. So you do the comparison, and there might as well be. In fact, I know there is. There's other guys on other rosters that are going to get cut that are better than the players that are here. Yeah. Well, to your point, A, the Giants are in pretty good position because they have where their draft pick was, which was mm-hmm. fifth overall. Right. It goes in the order of the draft until I want to say we get four <sighs> or five weeks into the season. Yeah, I forget the yeah. exact week. Once we get to a certain week, it goes to the standings. But they Correct. obviously they need a few weeks for standings to play out. So for the first few weeks of the season, it's still draft position. Yeah. So the Giants are going to be in the fifth spot for the first few weeks. Then it goes to the standing. So in the early stages, yes, certainly a positive. But here's the other thing to keep in mind, Jeff, that I wanted to add to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what you were talking about earlier with accrued seasons. In a crude season of four or more years as a vested veteran that you were talking about, they don't go through waivers. That's correct. They'll get outright release, which means it's a free-for-all. 31 other teams can sign one of those guys. Anyone with less than four seasons goes through waivers. So, for example, last season at this time, the Giants put in three waiver claims. Jeff, they claimed Colin Johnson. They claimed Quincy Roche. They claimed Justin Hilliard. Hilliard's not on the roster anymore. Roche and Johnson are fighting for roster spots. So Roche showed some flashes last season, right? He had a yeah. sack at the end of one of the games. And Remember, Colin he was, uh, Johnson. Uh, what was he? Was he a sixth-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers? Was it Quincy Roche was a late-round pick? Let me okay. look up. I forget I whether it was, it was sixth fifth round. or okay. sixth. Okay. You may be right. Yep. And then Colin Johnson, just to give you an idea, he was a fifth-round pick in 2020. So that's why both of those guys went through waivers because they were not right. vested veterans at that point. And, yes, Quincy Roche was a sixth-round pick in 2021. For the so Steelers. two late-round picks over the previous two years is who they wound up claiming. So it's possible you could get a guy who was drafted by another team and maybe he didn't make the cut, and then all of a sudden you have more of an opportunity. It's possible, but you're not going to get you know somebody with five or six years of experience because they're going to be a free agent. So they can pick 
where they want to go. But it's possible somebody who may have been a gem, Jeff, that you were eyeing in the draft a year ago or two years ago that's still eligible to go through waivers, of course, maybe he becomes available and you had always been eyeing him and you were like, hey, if the moment's right and he's out there, we're going to put a claim in. Plus, remember, there's guys that were in Buffalo, Jeff, that could be waived, that are attractive to Joe Shane and Brian Dable because they were actually there with them over the last few seasons. And then, you know, it happens. uh, You you get an overabundance of ability and talent at a certain position on another team. Yep. And, you know, the Giants come come calling and they say, hey, listen, you know, your 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 third best corner is better than our second corner right now. What would what would you what do we have to give you to get that guy? You know, and so there's trades that come down the pike too. So, um, and like, and by the way, you heard it from Joe Shane. He said, "Hey, the, we're open for business on this roster." You know, so I mean, yeah. that could happen. Some guys, and again, I don't know where the overabundance of talent is on this roster at a certain position, but the fact is that there's probably that situation somewhere else in the league that other teams are looking for, and that's how those things happen too. And by the way. Um, just like the Giants, they only can keep 53. So there's sometimes there's a guy that's the third corner that's pretty darn good that the, that that team has to let go. And then the waiver claim is is an asset to your team, especially if you're in the fifth position like the Giants, because the other four teams above you may not need that cornerback that you're going for. And all of a sudden you put a waiver claim in for that guy and boom, you got him. That, that's the beauty of that thing. Now, does or, that happen all the time? No, but it does happen. It's possible. You could also pull off a trade before the finalization of the 53-man roster, too. That's another option. Brent Jones, for example, who Mm -hmm. was the center for the Giants, and they wound up trading him to the Minnesota Vikings, if you recall, right before the finalization of the 53-man roster. And remember, what the Vikings, they needed a center. So they scoured the whole this whole league and said, "Hey, where is there a guy that we might be able to trade for?" And the Giants made the trade. So um, remember, Nick Gates was their guy, um, right? It wasn't he the starter, and then that's why Jones left, right? Yeah. Well, Jones was traded in 2018. Oh, so this is 18. Never mind. So Nick Gates this was, was, who was yeah, it? I think that was oh, pre Nick Gates. If I'm who correct. was it? Yeah, no, it was. I'm trying to think who it was. Um, who was the center? Back. Well, no, oh, you know what? Hold on. No, no, I'm looking this up. Nick Gates was an undrafted player in 2018. But remember, Jeff, remember, he was hurt. He went on IR his first season. That's what it was. That was okay. like a redshirt year. So Nick Gates, he was meaning in the mix, but he wasn't eligible to play. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, Romeo, that, that happens. And that's another scenario, you know, back on um, Scott's question about, you know, other players and you know, pieces of gold trying to find them. It's, it's, it's a crapshoot, but it can happen. And the trade is a big one. I think that, you know, you obviously don't want to trade your draft picks, but when you're in dire need of a player in a, in a situation like that, you know, give up a sixth, seventh rounder, it's, it's okay, you know, because, you know, you got to deal with what's going on now and not for the future. So Better to get something than nothing, especially if there's no right. way you can keep that player. I think that thinking certainly can't come back to bite you. Yeah. Let's head you back. Know, yeah, and more, more trying to, you yeah. also find a lot of times where you, you kind of hear that the team is trying to trade a guy and nobody goes for him and then they end up, you know, cutting him because you, got, you always want to try to get something, whether it's even if it's a seventh rounder, it doesn't matter. You're still trying to get something. Your asset, you're trying to get something for it. But if you can't, then ultimately the guy, they just have to, they just have to release him. Well, it's also a matter of whether or not you have some leverage because the team could turn around and say, yeah, but you're going to cut the guy anyway, so we'll take our chances through the waiver wire or just signing him. You know, What are we going to give you something? That's the other scenario that could play out. All right, Peter is in New York, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Peter? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I was just wondering how uh, proud Jeff was of the punter filling in for Oh, I, was, I loved he, it. I loved it. Uh, and I, down? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think, first of all, I'm pretty impressed. Um, a lot a lot of people don't know that Jamie did, he did kick in college. So he did have some experience with that, which was great. And um, I know that when he was in Cleveland, he was asked to kick a couple field goals in the game because their kicker didn't have a strong enough leg. And um, so he was, he's been able to do that. He doesn't practice it. I know that for a fact, but he can definitely do it. He's very athletic. Um, I was more impressed, honestly, <laughs> with Julian Love um, out of nowhere becomes the holder. Um, that to me was more oh, impressive okay. because 
that's listen i did that for all my career and it's it's not easy to learn i mean once you learn how to do it it becomes pretty pretty rudimentary but to, for someone that's never done that to do it in a live nfl football game and and really do a good job at it that's what i was more impressed about is him doing that because <laughs> it's just there's no practice whatsoever other than the two that he held on the sideline and said hey go ahead and do it you know so and i know jamie uh, gave him a lot of props for it too great Thank you. Have yourself a good day. Hey, you're welcome. You're Not welcome. a problem. Appreciate the phone call. Now, Peter. quick, quick, quick. Uh, Jeff was doing backflips, by the way, up in the press box when that happened. I, I just wanted to make sure everybody. I was looking vicariously yes. through him because oh, I know that I was I was given the opportunity one time, <laughs> one stupid time, Lance, and I always wanted to do it. Now, my my hero was Craig Hentrick. Okay, back in the day, he was a punter for the Titans. He punted for Green Bay, sure. but this guy was. He, he kicked off, and he also kicked the long field goals for the Titans. Now, this guy in one year had, I want to say, it was probably six or seven, eight field goals on the year, and probably half of them were over 45 to 50 yards. And he was my idol because I'm like, man, this guy can do it all, right? I always just wanted to kick one field goal. And uh, in 2003, I remember the kicker was uh, Matt Bryant. And we kicked the field goal going into halftime, and he hurt his hamstring. And as we were walking into the locker room at halftime, he said to me, he says, dude, you, I can't go to second half. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to go. And I, 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 was, I was sad for him, but I knew that I was going to get my opportunity, right? So I went in. I uh, grabbed a quick drink, bite to eat, whatever, went out there early and started kicking field goals. And lo and behold, I got the opportunity. It was against the Miami Dolphins. We were driving down. This is Jim Fossil's uh, last year with the Giants before Coffin came in. And uh, we are on the 11-yard line, which, by the way, is pretty much like an extra point. Chip and shot. Chip shot. So he says, field goal. So I run in there, and uh, I don't even remember who the holder was. Is he but, aware, though? Hold on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Is he aware that, obviously, Matt Bryant's not available at this of point? Of course. Okay, yeah, I just he, wanted to make sure. He knows it's happening. Okay. It's on. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. And, in fact, I think I, I remember coming out of the locker room. I kicked off because we were kicking off. Um, and so I just dribbled one down there. I wasn't going to kick it in the end zone. They just told me to line drive it and get it, you know, just don't kick it out of bounds. Um, so I lined up for 20, what would be a 20, I don't know, 20. No, actually, I'm sorry, Lance. The ball was on the two-yard line, okay? That's why we kicked the field goal because because Jim thought I could make it from there, which which back then was a that's the extra point. The ball's on the two eight yards. It's it's a it's a it's a. Well, wait, 20. hold on, Jeff. I actually I'm bringing up the play-by-play. You should oh. have stuck to your initial thought. You oh. were accurate. Go with your initial thought. Oh, you were thought, at the no. You were at the Miami eleven. Eleven. Okay, it I knew it was eleven. Fourth something. and eight. No, you were a hundred percent right. Okay. Fourth and eight from the Miami 11. I will let you now continue. I'm just here to fact check. That's all. Yes. So we're talking about a 29-yard field goal. Correct. Right? Okay. That was what it was. I should be able to make a 29-yard field goal, folks. I really should. I knew I could. Right? And I made made them coming out of halftime. I was banging them through. Um, And then I got in the game. The ball was, uh, I think the ball was on the right hash. And I just took the wrong angle. Wrong angle, wide right, no good. That's it. Last chance I ever got. <laughs> oh, for one. So, you know, listen, I never went out for a pass, but I threw a pass, but I never completed one, right? You I threw multiple I, passes. I threw multiple. And, <laughs> yes. and by the way, I, I got to kick a field goal and then make one of those. So thank God I did okay at the punting position for as long as I did. <laughs> the other ones, I wouldn't have survived. It would have been a, you know, a casualty. I would have got cut. But the bottom line is I, I was so mad at myself because I just want – I mean, talk about a chip shot. Like, Craig Hendrick, he's making 50 yarders. Uh, they're only asking me to make a 29-yard field goal. I mean, come on, dude. Make the thing, right? <laughs> Wide right. I could not believe it. And, and then, by the way, what quarter was that? Was that, that was the, the third quarter. Third quarter. Well, 428 to go to be exact. Well, the rest of the game, that I don't know even if we had a chance to go there or not, but it wasn't going to happen. I was when you done. have nightmares tonight, it's a result of me reminding you of all these details, <laughs> by the way. I can't believe you survived 22 seasons after that mishap. It's remarkable. I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, now, I will tell you this, okay? I could drop kick a 50-yard field goal. 
I could not kick a field fifty yard field goal, but I could drop kick a fifty yard. Well, you should have done the Doug Flutie esque attempt. I would have had a better chance. Trust me, I would have. I would have had a better chance. You didn't lose that game by two or anything, did you? No, we we. I don't even know if we there. Do we win the game? No, you lost by thirteen. So don't worry, it did not come back to bite you. You you should not wear that on your sleeve as a result. Well, Pearson, you actually made me feel better now that I know that I didn't cost them cost us the game. (laughs) In fact, I would have known that if I caught if cost us the game, that would have been more. I would have remembered that even more than I did. So, well, well, hold on a minute, though. I, I want to actually correct myself. Oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the opposite direction. It was at the time, it was a relatively close game. So you could argue Jeff killed the momentum of the team <laughs> because it was 13-10 Dolphins. Oh, yeah. So that yep. would have tied the game at 13 with 428 <laughs> to go in the third. So I, I, I stand corrected. Don't we have another caller on blame the you as a result. <laughs> We're not letting you off the hook on this one. Yes. All right. Well, let's try to uh, squeeze in another call here before we have to uh, wrap up shop. We got uh, Len in Maryland on the line. Len, what's happening? Hello, Len. Hey, hey guys. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, I know know you're running out of time, so I'll I'll just do a couple of quick hits. Uh, First, beat the Jets. I I just like to beat the Jets. So come on, Giants. Win that game on Sunday. Win that game on Sunday. Um Jeff, if special teams are important, 24 go to the offense, 24 players go to the defense, five players go to the special teams. Okay, yeah, you say that every year, right? I know you do. You always have those two (laughs) He loves his equidistant breakdown, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let let McGahee pick two players. Um, Lance, you're right about being able to pick up players uh, off of other rosters that incrementally make your team better. I mean, your example of Roche last year, uh, Hilliard, and I forget who the third guy was. That you Colin mentioned. Johnson was the third guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Colin Johnson, Inc- incrementally, but you know, but basically, you're talking about players 40 through 53 on the roster when you're oh, doing yeah. that. And and the the real bottom line, the the real, to me, the sad truth about this, mm-hmm. you are not going to beat the Buffalo Bills by picking up ex Buffalo Bills players. You got to find people who are better than who the Bills kept, not take on who the who the Bills cut. Um, one one last point, Max Garcia. I I, th- I thought I thought Garcia was really going to push for a starting job. It looks like he's buried on the depth chart. I know they played him at center on Sunday. Had an okay game. Um, maybe that's going to help him make this roster, but. Um, geez, I, I'm just kind of really surprised. I thought that was, I thought he was going to be the starter on opening day. Obviously, the coaches know more than the I do. The starter where, though, Len? Where did I'm you sorry? think he was going to start? What left position? Guard. Left or, guard. Well, left guard. Left guard. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, yeah. Shane Lemieux was the incumbent, so it's not as if yeah. they were, you know, well, going with a guy that, you know, was new. Yeah. If a new well, guy beat well, him well, out, I could understand I that, but you figure Lemieux had a little bit of a head start on him as a result. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. The coaches know better than I do, obviously. But I just thought Garcia was was going to outplay. I thought he was going to outplay Lemieux. He was actually a pretty good player last year at, at, at you know with Arizona. Um, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I know you're running out of time. I'll let you guys go um, again. Let's just let's just. Oh, should we read anything into we haven't heard about cuts yet? Well, well, it's 4 I mean, o'clock it's four right now. Well, it's 4 o'clock. I mean, so they're probably just finalizing them, and I figure the team will probably announce it shortly. They'll announce okay. the five guys. Yeah, it should be coming okay. up. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Thanks for taking my call. All yeah. right, Len, have no a problem, good one. Len. Appreciate yep. it. Yeah, 4 o'clock. I mean, I, it's, you know, I'm surprised that nobody's – Yeah, who knows? Well, like I said, it should be coming down anytime soon. I, I'm looking on social media. It seems as if teams are little by little getting down to the 80-man yeah. cut. So Another hour, you'll, you'll find out. 100%. As far as Max Garcia, though, keep in mind, you need, Jeff, a versatile guy like him to be a backup because the good news about Garcia is he could play guard, he could play center. So, God forbid, somebody does get hurt or you lose them within a game, you need a guy like Max Garcia. So, just because he's not going to start, doesn't mean that there's not value in him being on this roster in the mix. 
100%. And again, I, I just think that when you sign these guys, you, you sign them with the intent that they, they have, you know, that versatility to be able to play multiple positions. And not many guys can play inside and outside. It's usually, you know, they either play outside and they can play both outside positions or they play inside where they can play both guard and center, right? I mean, once in a while, I mean, you get a guy that can move all the way around, but that's very rare. Zudu is one of them. Sure. Um, but I feel like you know, when you sign these people that they figure, hey, we got to be able to do this because this is the National Football League and those offensive linemen, it's a tough physical game. And to, for those guys, if you look at any, you know, any of those five guys that last the whole season playing together, I think one year might have been the Colts offensive line probably played every snap the whole season. That's very rare. Extreme. Um, and and we, had a, we had a question the other day on our pregame uh, if, if there's, you know, have 10 weeks if there's the starting five are going to be there for 10, 10 of the 17 games. And the you know, same that, group, that's even whether tough. They'll play, yeah, yeah, the same group. That's even tough. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And with respect to the entire waiver claim process, it's possible that certainly you could get a game changer who could help the back end of your roster be a versatile guy. But I think you got to also keep expectations in check. Very rare. You're not going to get a pro bowler or somebody that's really going to wow you. That is extremely rare, similar to those circumstances that you were talking about on the offensive line where you grab a guy that late into camp, beginning of the season, and all of a sudden he comes in, he's a starter for you. You know, Maybe that happens week 13 after he gets acclimated, but highly unlikely you're going to see a significant impact early in the season, just like Quincy Roche. You started to see some flashes later in the year, not necessarily early in the season with the Giants. All right, a few reminders before we wrap up shop. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com suites for more information. That is going to wrap up Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be back up and running again on Wednesday. Remember, new time for these next two weeks, 3 p.m. Eastern. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Jeff, always a pleasure. I will speak to you later on in the week. You got it, Lance. Thank you. Pearson, thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. Absolutely. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. I'm going to look for that Giants-Dolphins game over the next hour. We will speak to you tomorrow. Have a good one. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.